Hi, everyone. Welcome to the ultimate summary of C.S. Lewis podcast. I'm Kevin Livermore, author of the book, The Theology of C.S. Lewis, the topical summary of his best work. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about Surprised by Joy, which is a book Lewis wrote, but it's not an autobiography, but it's Lewis explaining how he came to faith in Christianity. So we're just going to jump right in. In the book, Surprised by Joy, Lewis conveys vulnerability as he lets the reader into his life in a compelling way as he details his journey of faith and lack thereof. During this journey, Lewis found faith in God and then two years later, faith in Jesus as the Son of God. This is not an autobiography, but a book written by Lewis explaining how he came to faith in Christianity by means of reason and a search for joy. Early on in the book, Lewis talks about an unsatisfied desire, which is joy, in that joy makes one who has experienced it want it again. However, due to the loss of his mother, experiences of joy were infrequent for Lewis. He said, quote, with my mother's death, all settled happiness, all that was tranquil and reliable disappeared from my life. There was to be much fun, many pleasures, many stabs at joy but no more of the old security. It was sea and islands now. The great continent had sunk like Atlantis, end quote. This is a profound tragedy in Lewis's upbringing as it was intense grief at such a young age. He was only nine years old at the time. It wasn't just his mother that he lost. His father, Albert, became even more emotionally distant than he already was. And he sent Jack and his brother Warren to boarding school. By the way, Jack is what C.S. Lewis was referred to by his friends and family. Uh, Clive Staples is what C.S. Lewis C.S. stands for, but he was referred to and called Jack as a nickname. So his dad sent Jack and his brother Warren to boarding school. So Lewis was a motherless child and had to adjust to life's demands accordingly. After discussing his upbringing relationship with his brother, and their animal land fictional world, Boxen, Lewis begins to describe in this book his life in England at these boarding schools. Although he had a traumatic experience while at the first school due to, due to a psychotic headmaster they named Oldie, he also learned doctrines of faith and stories of the ancient world. Naturally, this made him more curious about both. However, Joy was becoming more and more absent, and he began to lose his imaginative life until much later when he would embrace it once again through the help of poetry and novels, which espoused truth, goodness, beauty, and mystery, which rekindled that joy and rekindled that imaginative life he developed as an early child. He was highly encouraged to be rational while being mentored by his teacher, W.T. Kirkpatrick. So he embraced reason, but this created a tension as he wrestled through his atheism. By embracing rationalism and a meaningless universe, he had to struggle with why he was still drawn to imagination and myth, which tapped into this deeper sense of meaning, aspiration, joy, longing, and satisfaction. And I I appreciate Lewis wrestling with these topics as I believe it expresses a commonality for most people without faith, for they must deal with the deeper longings of the soul sooner or later. At the same time, Christians must likewise inevitably deal with the problem of evil and suffering. 
No matter atheist or Christian, for our culture today, the church should be concerned with equipping people of both types accordingly. Lewis claims the fictional book Fantastes by George MacDonald was instrumental to, in his imagination being awakened or, quote, baptized, as he called it, as well as in his awareness of God's voice or presence, which he described as somehow always there. He said, quote, It was as though the voice which had called me from the world's end were now speaking at my side. It was with me in the room or in my own body or behind me. It seemed to have always been with me, end quote. Based on the influence of reading MacDonald as well as G.K. Chesterton's The Everlasting Man, which helped him understand the outline of historical Christianity, his atheism began to diminish. He said, in reading, in reading Chesterton, as in reading MacDonald, I did not know what I was letting myself in for. A young man who wishes to remain a sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading. There are traps everywhere. End quote. Lewis holds one of the best and most useful analogies of the Incarnation. He says, If Shakespeare and Hamlet could ever meet, it must be Shakespeare's doing. Shakespeare could, in principle, make himself appear as Arthur in the play and write a, dog, and write a dialogue between Hamlet and himself. The, quote, Shakespeare within the play would, of course, be at once Shakespeare and one of Shakespeare's creatures. It would bear some analogy to incarnation, end quote. This is similar to what God has done in Jesus as he dwelled among us, as John 1.14 tells us in the New Testament. When Lewis converted to theism, he was alone in his room at Magdalen College at Oxford in 1929, and he felt the presence of God closing in on him. He admitted that God was God and then knelt and prayed as the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England, end quote. The idea that divine humility accepted even him, a convert, kicking and screaming was simply astonishing to Lewis. To end the paragraph describing these events, Lewis writes, The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men, and his compulsion is our liberation. Now, his conversion to Christianity did not come until two years later. He felt his conversion to theism was similar to what the Jewish people experienced as he simply believed in God with no other knowledge of Christian doctrine. He determined there were only two options for his theism, Hinduism or Christianity, as they were the sum and origination of all, of all major religions. He ruled out Hinduism for two reasons. First, it appeared to be a, quote, a mere oil and water coexistence of philosophy side by side with paganism unpurged, end quote. And he said, second, the second reason was there was no historical claim as in Christianity, end quote. He, de he deemed Christianity as the only other option. The Gospels were no myths, according to his background in literature. He said, I was by now too experienced in literary criticism to regard the Gospels as myths. They had not the mythical taste. And yet, the very matter which they set down in their artless, historical fashion, those narrow, unattractive Jews, too blind to the mythical and mystical wealth of the pagan world around them, 
was precisely the matter of the great myths. If ever a myth had become fact, had been incarnated, it would be just like this. And nothing else in all literature was just like this. Myths were like it in one way. Histories were like it in another. But nothing was simply like it. And no person was like the person it depicted, as real, as recognizable, through all that depth of time, yet also numinous, lit by a light from beyond the world, a god. Here and here only, in all time, the myth must have become fact. The word, flesh, God, man. This is not a religion nor a philosophy. It is the summing up and actuality of them all. End quote. So, Lewis, through the help of his friend J.R.R. Tolkien, took one final step of faith in 1931. Throughout his life, he essentially moved from atheism to theism to Christianity. He said, Every step I had taken from the absolute to spirit and from spirit to God had been a step toward the more concrete, the more imminent, the more compulsive. At each step, one had less chance to call one's own soul one's own. To accept the incarnation was a further step in the same direction. It brings God nearer, or near in a new way. And this, I found, was something I had not wanted. But to recognize the ground for my evasion was, of course, to recognize both its shame and its futility. I know very well when, but hardly how, the final step was taken. I was driven to Whipsnade one sunny morning. When we set out, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo, I did. End quote. Joy came to him upon his conversion to Christianity, but it never had the kind of importance he once gave it. He said, It was valuable only as a pointer to something other and outer. He realized joy was like a signpost when one is lost in the woods. It is exciting to see, but not as much as the destination itself.